We're back. Back in the saddle. Old Town Road, Will. You know what it is? Road Got the house. horses in the back. It's 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 a lot of heat going on right now. I, I don't know much about it. But uh, it's a big deal. Anyway, it's not a, it's not the biggest deal to us. We got stuff to talk about. We got important stuff to talk about. Uh, this is actually something I found just before we started filming. And I was like, this is an interesting topic right here. I feel like the people deserve to know about it because it could affect you in some way, very seriously, significantly. Hopefully not, though. But it's probably a consideration for you when you pick up a laptop, buy a laptop, a new laptop. What might be the case if you encounter some kind of problem and you need to be in touch with tech support? And so LaptopMag.com, they did this cool laptop tech support showdown. And they did some 2019 ratings in which they called all the major laptop manufacturers and they hit them with a series of questions. Now, first things first, they monitored how long it took from waiting for tech support to pick up the phone call. They also try to reach out to tech support on social media. They try to reach out to tech support over the, over the web, you know, the little web interface that exists on the, the websites of various laptop manufacturers. And then they bake that all into a score in order to figure out who the top brands were for laptop tech support and who the bottom ones were. So you should know... If you purchase a new laptop, what to expect from a tech support perspective. So this time around, your favorite fruit company, Apple, at the very top of the list. Look at this, all right? On this beautiful little chart, a 91 out of 100 overall score. Web score of 54, phone score 37, average call time only 6 minutes and 40 seconds. Now, some of the questions that were asked, things uh, such as, we asked how to disable force system updates as well as how to turn off our laptop's webcam. These are the types of questions that would have been asked and then tech support unknowingly on the other on the other end of the line, assuming this was just a regular customer because they didn't announce where they were calling from. Tech support has to go into action hoping to solve the problem. So in Apple's case, six minutes and, and 40 seconds, very respectable. Phone support available 24-7. Web support also available uh, so that's their score. Not really surprising. They've been near the top for a while. But Razer, on the other hand, climbed all the way up from second last to second place. Apparently, they've got an all-new call center. They're a relatively new brand compared to brands like Apple and Dell. And they secured second second spot with a web score that actually beat Apple's at 58 versus 54. The phone score is down a little bit, and you can see it took a little longer for the average phone call. That could be a Windows and Mac thing, possibly. Also, phone support, not 24-7, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. PST, so not quite as good. Anyway, you look down the list here. Dell falls into third place, even though that's a long phone call, 23 minutes. Uh, that's obviously not ideal. But at the very bottom is MSI uh, with a web score of 10. Damn, that's not very good. And uh, a phone score of 20 with 8 a.m. to 7 a.m. 8 a.m. to 7 a.m. phone hours. Anyway, uh, this is I think this is a, a nice little read if you're in the market for a laptop and you, and you put a lot of value in the potential tech support you're going to receive with it if you do encounter a problem. Maybe you're a person who doesn't use tech support too frequently, then maybe you care less about this. But it does say something about each of these companies, how they back up their products after they've already sold it to you. I know they also took into account 
how where you could get in touch with these various brands and they were saying like for example razor was doing a good job on social and also even on reddit they were doing some forms of tech support right on reddit so it's kind of cool to see the evolution of tech support where it's not exactly it's not just a phone call anymore there's many ways you can continue to interact with a brand after you've purchased their device now will you've also uh You've got your own interesting stories here to bring to the table. Yeah, this one. You want to you catch my, uh, my point of view here? You want a hot take? People are saying Foxconn CEO just leaked the iPhone 11. You know what? Actually, I saw this. First of all, how about Foxconn CEO with the hat? I mean, it's a look. He's got the wireless microphone. He's living life. You know, I mean, I love the look. You know what I mean? He's not messing around. Like... This guy gets up in the morning, he knows what he's going to wear. Yeah, it's very distinct and unique. Like, he knows, he knows he doesn't have to try too hard. He's the CEO of Foxconn, all right? People, they just move out of his way when he comes through. That's just how it works. Anyway, this is, so I saw this rumor going around that he was leaking the next iPhone, that that was what he was using in his presentation. And then I saw a follow-up from one of those Twitter leakers. I can't remember uh, his name right now. I don't want to, I think it was on leaks. I could I could have the wrong guy, and then someone's going to be really mad at me. Uh, yeah, it's I think it was on leaks, and uh, he showed that it's a very specific type of case that made that iPhone. There it is, right there. Don't get fooled by the fake iPhone leak. It's a Casetify case. So he debunked the leaker. Debunked the leak. So I'll go with him on this one. I'll just assume that this guy is using a very specific type of case. Though so that is weird, though. You're Foxconn CEO, and you're getting this. You're getting this random third-party case to fight case. That's how you. That's how you roll. You got the hat like that and the suit jacket, but you go for the case to fight case. I mean, it's definitely a case. It looks like there's a case on the phone, but it's kind of a bizarre one. Like not the official case, for example. You're you're Foxconn. You don't put the official case. Kind of kind of interesting, but I'm with uh, Mr. On Leaks, Steve McFly here. I don't think I'm fooled by it, Will. I don't think you got me on this one. All right. I don't think you got me. Uh, I got another thing I want to talk about, if you don't mind, of course. What do you got? Uh, I read something about Nintendo, Nintendo Switch, actually. I read this today, apparently. This is shocking news. Apparently, the Nintendo Switch, in only two years of existence, is set to pass the PS4 in terms of unit sales in Japan. Now, I know it's a very specific statistic. You're like, in Japan, who even knows what's going on in Japan? I mean, I don't. I'd love to go. Have you been to Japan before, Will? Yeah. You loved it, right? It's a lovely time. Lovely time, you see? It's, it's, a whole, uh, it's a whole unique vibe. Nonetheless, they love Nintendo in Japan, if you didn't know. And in just two years, the Nintendo Switch has surpassed PlayStation 4 in terms of shipments. And it's also accelerating its gain, as you can see here. PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro uh, moving around 10,000 units in this last quarter or in the last couple of weeks compared to the Nintendo Switch 40,000 units. Now, it's a newer console, so of course they're moving more units, but still, uh, the overall figure is surprising. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Because it seems like, at least here in North America, everybody's got a PlayStation 4, not so much with the Switch, but the Switch... An ambitious, different kind of take, different form factor. It kind of reminds me of the Fold. That's right. I brought the Fold up. 
in the gaming department. It's like doing these multiple things. It's mobile. It's on the TV. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. You get the classic controller. I mean, I use it at home. I loved Zelda, and I don't even like a lot of games. I thought Zelda was great, Breath of the Wild for Switch. But anyway, I'm not alone. In Japan, the Switch is hot. And PlayStation's taking a nap. Xbox way down at the bottom. Like, that, is that really unit sales? Are we, are we... Did they actually only sell 44 Xbox One Xs and 39 Xbox One Xs? People really hate Xbox in Japan. That's wild. But I guess... Those are non-Japanese branded devices, comparatively. There's Nintendo. You got Nintendo. You got Sony with PlayStation. Maybe it's uh, some loyalty, some brand loyalty we might be looking at right there. I'm not sure. You got something else for me, Will? Do you see this? Full self-driving. I have not seen this clip yet. So this is obviously a Tesla. Yeah, it was from yesterday. Okay, this is a Model 3. And they go... A short distance, but the fact that it's fully automated. He doesn't touch anything. Pretty impressive. He doesn't touch the brake. He doesn't touch the gas. He doesn't touch the wheel. He's got the nav turned on, and the whole clip is sped up. Uh, he's on a freeway now, switching lanes, 75 miles an hour. Interesting that the car is passing other cars, even though it's in the far right lane. Like, it's passing cars in the center lane, in the far right lane, which... My understanding is that's not the move. You're not really supposed to do that, right? Yeah, I guess you can switch your speed. Right. Um, so this guy's obviously in a hurry for his autonomous, full self-driving test here. But I thought if you wanted to pass, it's, you should get over to the left-hand right. side. Or at least into here. Yeah, so he switched lanes now. I mean, it's impressive. Anyway, it's obviously the future. It's, it's early stages. It's like, it's like it was with airplanes. You know, it, w it was hard to imagine at a certain point in time that you would be, that these things would essentially be flying themselves. And that, you know, they'd be on autopilot a lot of the time. And now with the tech available and, and the machine learning, uh, algorithms, programming, and so forth, it's obvious that we are on the cusp of something, a complete change in the way that we travel, interact with our vehicles, of course, it brings in, into question all kinds of other things. How responsible are people going to be? Are they going to be snoozing, napping? Because it's full-out autonomous. Like You're just watching this clip, and I mean, wow. Are they looking at their phones? Are people just looking at their phones, tablets, mm -hmm. laptops? Look at this dude. He just got this destination. didn't touch anything. Now, you had to know that that was coming. They talked about it for a while. It was all different versions of autonomy leading up to the full self-driving and to keep updating it and improving it. And I think that's all. That's what we're going to continue to see. Once you have momentum in this direction and you're able to showcase these types of improvements, it's obvious you know what you're doing and what you need to continue to do to improve. Mm -hmm. So philosophical questions aside, this is very impressive. And the, you know, the scariest part about it is it's probably safer than human beings. Human beings are a disaster. Human beings, what are they doing? They're brushing their teeth in the car. What are they doing? They're having a coffee. Picking yeah. their nose, Will. What are they doing? What are people doing? You look around. You're at the stoplight. Look around and see what people are doing. It's scary. It's scary sometimes what people are up to. They're shaving. I've seen it all, man. They're, you know, plucking their own eyebrows. I've seen it all. Obviously, 
in in those cases, the Tesla. I mean, what about just looking at their phones? I see it all the time, dude. Mm-hmm. At stoplights, me, I gotta just I hide the phone. I put it somewhere far away because it's like it's so tempting to reach for it at a stoplight. But you don't think about it even at a stoplight. It's dangerous to not be paying attention. Someone could step in front still. There's no just because you're stopped. You don't think someone could step in front of you? Mm-hmm. Of course they could. And then what? You just hit the gas. You look up, green gas, dead. And what are you gonna say? You're gonna be that person that's like, oh, I had to look. I had to check my text. I had to check my iMessage. Well, that's not gonna do. So that's the future right there, guys. And it's not just cars. I mean, you're gonna see automation making a big play in all kinds of parts of your lives, and and the implications are massive. You heard about this in relationship to Uber, for example. What, 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 why don't you just have the autonomous vehicle pick you up? Then there's no weirdness with a driver. Just shows up an empty car. I call those things all the time. Just an empty car shows up. Yeah, you don't have to be afraid of... That's what I mean. The, the not that I'm afraid of Uber drivers, because I'm definitely not. But you know what I'm saying. It's kind of like the self-checkout at the supermarket. Sometimes yeah. you just want to go. You, peace of mind. You just want to check out on your own. Yeah. You know, you don't want to interact. You're texting people. You don't even make old school phone calls anymore. You don't call your mom. Call your mom, everybody. It's a piece of advice. She'll appreciate it. Tell her I sent you. You call your mom. You say, I love you. All right? It's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Will knows. It's not a bad idea. I, I agree. Mom, I know you're not watching this, but I love you. So. Okay, what do you got next, Will? Uh, I was thinking we could do questions. Let's do some questions. That'd be awesome. Oh, you know what? Before we get into questions, let me just say one other thing real quick. Because I got to give a Galaxy Fold update. Because the people, they just, they won't be able to sleep at night without a Galaxy Fold update. Because I haven't seen enough, to be honest. It's unlimited. It's all, whatever. It's ending soon. So please relax. But I got an email. Because, of course, you heard. We did the video on um, the delay. The Galaxy Fold shipment delay. But I got an email from a viewer. He got an update from AT&T specifically. Thank you again for your recent order. Your shipping date has changed. He had a 512 gigabyte Cosmos Black Samsung Galaxy Fold on pre-order, which was originally scheduled to ship 531.219. So end of May. He got an updated ship date. Again, as seen in in this email, which I can't show you. He didn't say he wanted it to be shown. But an updated ship date of 06-13. So, June 13th. Now, I understand. I understand. This could just be a placeholder. This could just be AT&T not wanting to lose the sale and just saying, hey, it's going to ship. And they're just crossing their fingers. But maybe it's not as well. Maybe this is indicative of, of the delay that Samsung is actually going to implement. If that is the case, here's the interesting thing with this particular uh, email and that particular date. What can you really do to change a device drastically in just under two weeks? Not much. What you could do, though, is crack open those boxes that were ready to ship and put that new warning in there that we've talked about in the past. That's all you need, really. That seems to be, like, based on this, if this is to be believed, that seems to be what they're going to do. And... It's probably all you can do at this point. It's just increase, improve the warning, investigate the busted ones. I don't think it's going to change the fact that if, the, if this device does come out or when it does come out, I should say, I think it's still going to be a little bit fragile. That's my feeling on the matter. Uh, but anyhow, 
new ship date 0613. We'll uh, we'll reconvene around that time, I'm sure, which is going to be new information. But it's a little piece, a little piece of information to keep in your back pocket if you're in the market for one of these Galaxy Folds. If you don't care about the screen issues that you've seen on social media, if you're if you're in it to win it, regardless, that's the date you're looking at now. All right, well, let's get to those questions. Here we go. Hello, Lou and fam. I like that. See, you got included there, Will. You got included Kirk as well, the fam. It's been a while since we had the last wow feature added to our flagship smartphones. Wow. Wow feature. Perhaps it's a fold, but I don't know if it'll really catch. What do you think the next massive feature will be? Hmm, I like this. I got to be imaginative here. I got to imagine a wow feature. I've seen... Like the hand control on that last LG. We've seen those, those glasses-less 3D implementations like the red phone. It's all terrible. Like that's not, that's obviously not it. The Fold, he doesn't let me use that. He doesn't think it'll catch. The Fold is the closest I've seen in a long time to some completely new type of wow. Uh, I think we need devices that can do a better job at replacing these things. Like these things are still hanging around. Around here, I mean, we reach for them. You reach for yours, I reach for mine. But it still is big, it's heavy. I think uh, maybe software could be one of those places where we could see improvements for productivity where you could get more done on mobile software because right now it still kind of feels... It's still, it's still not perfect, which is the reason you reach for a typical keyboard. The iPad was kind of encouraging... When it was like, okay, it's a real, is it a laptop? What's a computer? And you hook the keyboard up to it and the pen, and that was a new way to interact. I think the next big thing is some sort of integrated device. Some sort of a device, whether it's a fold or not a fold, some sort of a device that can do a better job of absorbing the whole digital landscape, doing all the things you might want to do in a more integrated way. I don't necessarily know what that looks like at this moment immediately, but I'm hoping that it's some sort of a hybrid of the best of all these worlds coming together. We saw DeX demonstrated with different Samsung devices where you would you would use your smartphone as a laptop or a typical uh, desktop sorry, style interaction, mouse and keyboard. That's kind of cool. I think it would just be nice to move on to that next form factor to some sort of alternative some sort of alternative to the laptop because those are just way more portable smartphones are just way more portable i know i know in certain parts of the world laptops never really took hold like they did in north america and the smartphone already is the main screen the main computing device so maybe those things are just going to keep growing in scale we're going to have to wait and see of course there's other stuff happening. It's not just smartphones. Like there's other places where innovation is happening in automation. We just talked about VR. There's potential wow in those other departments as well. Uh, but in the smartphone department, God, I'm telling you that fold thing, it just shook me right up. It shook me right up. And it really seems like that will be the thing. Even though you say you don't think it'll catch, the idea of a large display that folds and, and slides right into your pocket it's just there's no substitute for it. I don't know how else you get such a big display in your pocket, as far as I know. Made X. 
Maybe the mate X is the other way. Maybe it's a slightly different fold in a different direction. Or maybe it's, imagine a big scale of it. Imagine that as a laptop replacement. This whole thing is a display that folds. That'd be pretty wild as well, though I love this keyboard. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I personally don't, I personally hope manufacturers continue down the direction that the fold started because maybe that one right now isn't the catch, but maybe it happens uh, with some encourage with some encouragement over time. We'll see. What do you got next? Hey, Lou, what's up? I just wanted to ask, how do you feel about the current size of phones? I just feel like we need smaller phones. Sub six inch phones are the most comfortable and anything that's above six inches is just not comfortable enough. What is your take on this? Uh, I don't know if sales figures actually support this mindset. I, I hear you. I, I know where you're coming from. Uh, obviously, these things have gotten huge recently, and, and they're probably not for everyone. Apple was hanging on to that SE form factor, which was essentially the iPhone 5 form factor for a while. But it seems that people want bigger phones if, you, if you're studying the sales figures. And all manufacturers have just followed the customer, and you can't blame them. And part of that has to do with, with what I was talking about in the previous question when I was saying that these, these devices have become our main computing devices. And once productivity comes into question, media consumption, all of a sudden you can really take advantage of that bigger display. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You're obviously giving up certain, certain one-handed usage convenience when you have these really big displays. You can't reach each edge of the screen. Will's got a graph here, average screen size on smartphone models. This was from 2007 to 2014 with 4,906 models graphed on here. And you can see it just, it just scales up. It goes crazy. It goes all the way from 3 inches in 07 to 5 inches in 2014. So that's the trend. People want bigger displays, not smaller ones. So I don't think you're going to see it. There'll be these niche devices these odd every so often type of devices that are going to be smaller in scale. But on mass, you're going to see them keep getting bigger. All the analytics, all the details seem to point in that direction. So don't bet on it. But I think you have a point. If you're the type of person you're always on the go and you do a lot of one-handed interaction, like you're on the subway, you're, you're moving about in a, in a city-type atmosphere, there are advantages to having a smaller display you can quickly interact with. So I feel you. You got one more, Will? Yeah, last one. Um. All right. Last question of the day. If Apple and Samsung were to do a collab on any product, what would you want to see? Well, they kind of do collab on every product because it's Samsung screens inside of iPhones. I think there might even be some other components, possibly memory. Uh, So that's obviously an unofficial, like they don't, broadcast that collab i mean you would want each company to kind of do what they're best at i think the most exciting thing probably because apple is so closed off would just be a samsung version of an iphone in other words if apple allowed if the collab took place where apple would say here you can have the software to reimagine what an iphone is like kind of how it used to exist with google and the nexus program which turned into pixel if Apple was like, here's a software, do as you please. We want to see your interpretation of an iPhone. I think that would be cool. Because, of course, Apple would never make an Android phone. Their hardware with Android with the Android OS. Maybe in a, in a crazy, un, unknown future, unexpected reality, 
Imagine that, though. This Okay, so I have it right here. This is the uh, Galaxy S10. I wonder how it would change people's minds about this phone if it was just running iOS. If this had iMessage, iCloud, AirDrop, whatever it is that people love about iOS. Security, privacy. That's all the commercials right now. You have to wonder how popular it would be. Or if people would say, nah, I still need the badge. This is something I used to think about with the computers because I always wanted a Mac Pro and before that, Power Mac. And I never had the money for it. So that's how the, the whole Hackintosh thing started. And I, I was one of those people doing, doing the Hackintoshing. And part of that was because like, wow, it'd be interesting. It'd be amazing actually to be able to have a slightly different configuration but with the software that you're actually looking for. You know, because in that sense, I was really into Final Cut Pro. Now, there's obviously mobile versions of that. On iOS, for example, there's some app that you probably really like or it might be better on iOS than Android. Or there's some native app like iMessage, for example, which there is no equivalent for. So then we could get to the bottom and start to figure out is what are people really into? Is it the whole ecosystem? Is it the hardware and software combined? Or if the software was distributed elsewhere, would that change their minds? Could selection be cool in that department? I'm not saying that will happen. Jeez. There's obviously not going to be any kind of collab going on. Not in that sense. In the meantime, we're just going to have to put up with, like, Apple buying parts from Samsung. That's as close as it will ever get. But we can hope. We can imagine. I like this question. It's, it's uh, very creative. So if you want to send your questions, by the way, I should mention, all you got to do is hit up will at lulater.com. And uh, it, it could be about tech. It could be about anything. We're going to address them here on the channel. We're going to get down to business because that's what we do. And we cover the news. Tech news, other news, internet news, cultural stuff. It doesn't matter. That's what we're here for. We're breaking it down for you. We're like a filter. It comes in, we filter it down. We get it, we get it down to its raw essence for you. We take our jobs very seriously. It's a major responsibility. I can't speak for Willie Do, but I can. It means a lot to this man. We'll see you on the next one.